When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. guys welcome in to hockey royalty the official podcast of hockeyroyalty.com as always i am your host randy mcmahon if you're looking for articles and everything like that go to hockeyroyalty.com but we got the live stuff right now with my friend here eric landy of teal town usa we'll be talking some sharks kings tonight but first off landy how you doing you know can't complain dude can't complain i've uh uh, you know, we're just getting into the uh, getting into the meat or the dog days of uh, of the season. That's for sure with the uh, with the NHL. I mean, we're we're kind of in that last little lap, and then uh, unfortunately, you know, I know you're a big baseball fan too, so we're just kind of in the holding pattern until until uh, Manfred kind of gets off his behind and figures out what we're gonna do with this thing. So, that being said, ready to talk some sharks, dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I could talk the king about the Kings win tonight <laughs> over Boston for another 30, 40 minutes, but. We didn't bring you on here for that, uh, so yeah, let's get it going, man. Let's get some let's get some uh, hockey talk going because we got a big series coming up, three games. But before we get into that, let's start with the teams in general. Starting off with the centerpiece prospects. Obviously, the Sharks drafted their highest prospect in a long time in William Eklund, uh, who started the season out with them. We're finally starting to see Byfield as far as the Kings are concerned. Let's start on your on your end. You know what have been what was your thoughts? Obviously, with Eklund, the pick. Uh, how he played early in the season, and do you think they should have kept him on the roster? Oh boy! Well, we've gone—I mean, especially in in the Sharks fandom, we've kind of gone back and forth on uh, you know just kind of where we're at with with him and and his development, and what was best for him. And and I was of the camp that 
um, you know, the NHL seemed like it was a little bit of a big game for him. Um, and I think that it was going to take some time to adjust. Now, he didn't look completely out of uh, character or out of sync here. But I think the best thing, if you want to keep him developing at a good rate, you want him to get some confidence and you want him to, you know, develop into that first line type of player, um, you know, sending him back to a, a junior organization or to uh, the minor leagues, I think was the prudent decision. Um, I would have kept him in North America, to be honest, and I would have kept him in the AHL. And the reason why I'll tell you this is because the change from North American ice to European ice is a little different. Uh, and we have seen players that migrate to and from European ice have a little bit of a hard time uh, adjusting to the North American size uh, rink. So, uh, you know, instead of it being, um, you know, 80 by 80 by 200, uh, it's... Um, was I think it's a hundred? I think it's I think it's a little bit wider. International ice is a little bit wider, so I think mm-hmm. it's somewhere like a hundred feet, and um, and so you've got a lot more time, especially in the European ice, to make passes east west. And I think that that's what we were seeing with Eklund, where he wanted to be creative, but because there wasn't as much ice to play with, um, he had less time to kind of react and to kind of um, gauge where players were going to be at. So I think, again, it's just going to be an adjustment thing. Um, But uh, he did get injured, I think it was two nights ago for uh, Deer Garden. And, uh, you know, we've kind of been, um, you know, crossing our fingers that it's not a long-term thing. Um, But, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back on the big club next year. Um, I think, you know, I don't think he's going to spend any time with a Barracuda. Um, I think he's just going to be one of those kind of players that's going to go directly from his junior team um, or or his, you know, uh, uh, foreign team directly to the Sharks because I think he's that good of a, uh, of a prospect. Um, but we've also got some other guys, too. Uh, you know, we've we've lamented a long time at the, the lack of depth for the Sharks uh, prospect pool, but they've done a really good job restocking the cupboard. Um, and, and, you know, some other guys that I've got kind of highlighted, uh, Brandon Coe, uh, Tristan Robbins, uh, Danielle Gushkin. Um, and those are, those are the three big guys that I have kind of, uh, you know, circled, highlighted um, for me. Um, you know, some guys on the NCAA. I think that there's Thomas Bordalo, who we're all really excited to see. Um, Alex Young and, and uh, Spirit Spernoff is also, uh, you know, some guys that we're also tracking as well. So we've got some really, really cool, interesting uh, prospects coming through. Um, the whole organization, I think, shifted from it was like 25. It was like, I think it was Corey Promen's prospect rankings had him at like 24, 25. And I think an hour in like the 15, 14, 15 range. So yeah. made some really good strides. Well, yeah, let's, let's bring it back. I like, I think you made an interesting point with Eklund before you, you rambled off some guys there. And, and it's the same thing with Byfield is that I thought COVID helped him stay, being able to stay in the AHL last year really helped his development because NHL or, or OHL is a vastly different league. And for the second overall pick, you know, playing a year in, in, in Canada, again, might not have done him good, but playing with adults in the United States uh, could have really helped him out for different reasons than Eklund, as, as you mentioned. But, you know, having, you know, AHL is widely known as the second uh, best league in hockey uh, by most people. And I think you're probably right. Eklund maybe had would have benefited more from staying in the United States. I know he was going to play or he was on the world junior team uh, as well, which would have been some nice competition. But uh, you know, having that growth in different aspects. And I think you look at when uh, I talked to uh, Scott Wheeler on, on the podcast, 
He said the overall depth from the first to fourth line in the NHL is a lot deeper now than it say was 10 years ago, where when you were a top five pick, you were able to burst onto the scene a lot quicker because the depth wasn't as big. Now you're getting fourth liners who are perennial scorers and juniors that, you know, there's, there's just so much depth. That's why you're seeing Lafreniere take a little bit longer. That's why you're seeing Jack Hughes take a little bit longer. And so there's nothing wrong with a little bit of marinating, uh, whether it be in Sweden or in North America. Well, I think we can we can go and look back towards the Stanley Cup winners, the recent Stanley Cup winners, right? We look at Tampa Bay and we look at how that organization takes a long time to maturate prospects. I mean, their prospects don't come hot off the scene. They take a long time, um, you know, with with the Admirals, with the Norfolk Admirals, right? Um, and and really getting, you know, their their craft um, honed. You know, the same thing when um, LA had its uh, run of Stanley Cups. You know, they had a bunch of pieces buried, you know, in the AHL that were just you know called up and and it's not orally not only organization depth on your big club but it's organization depth throughout um you know zero through 50 roster spots um and i and i think like you had said the caliber of player that are coming out are just so much more um skilled there's so much more um uh, developed and i think the other thing too that we're starting to see is they last a long time players are consistently lasting into their late 30s and, it, and it's a it's a trend that we um are just now starting to really appreciate in the nhl that um you know the the players have really done a good job of taking care of themselves and, and the longevity of this era athlete. yeah sports science has come a long way for sure yeah is is incredible so um like you said the depth is just incredible and it's hard to crack those lineups let's uh let's swing it over to the rivalry itself now obviously it's a viewpoint there but i think it's uh mutual hatred is a good term to to call it uh or respect however you want to use it um the long time uh you know sharks were i mean they're they were relevant and they're starting to maybe teeter off at a lot of their uh, big stars are getting up there in age as well as with us you know brownie being over 35 kopitar and dowdy into their 30 same thing with quick so uh the rivalry's been lasted a long time but just kind of maybe talk about what your thought is on the rivalry maybe some highs and lows uh and then you know how it's kind of matured into like the last couple years for you yeah yeah so i mean for me la is gonna always be the rival um you know they there might be other teams that come in and out but i think for me i almost look at it as a geographical and, and i see it almost on the uh you know the giants dodgers or the um niners rams type of rivalry where you know it's just la and we don't like los angeles as a as a bay area team so you know i think to me it's inherently going to always have that built-in rivalry but as you said, I mean, the, the, the team has gone through um, some changes and, and I think each team has started to kind of go into their own direction, right? The San Jose Sharks are kind of languishing right now, whereas the Kings, I think, are on the ascent. And I think that they're just kind of in different, um, you know, they're in different career, I mean, different arcs in, in where they're at in the organization goes. And, and so I think when each team is kind of going their different ways, you know, one team is relevant and one team isn't. I think you're going to start to see the uh, the fireworks dwindle a little bit. But I tell you, from a fan perspective, um, you know, I think that the rivalry is alive and well. And I think, you know, you you'd pull most Sharks fans that either tell you the Kings or the Knights are our, our biggest rival. And for me, it's going to be the Kings because again, that geographic 
thing trumps all. But you know, it's so crazy how the Knights became rivalries for everybody overnight. Yeah, I think it's just like they got into the league, they got those uh, easy quote unquote rules for them to to take players from everybody. They were allowed to make all these. They were pretty aggressive in their backyard deals, but just instantly a good team. I think kind of pissed a lot of people off. If I don't say so myself. Well, I mean, you know, when the Sharks came in, we had year, a couple of years of, of languishing at the bottom. When, they, when the Kings came in, they were historically bad, you know, in 67, right, when they when they were expansion. So I think for most, you know, most franchises that are expansion franchises, there's this unique type of pain that you feel in the first couple of years that most expansion franchises have to go through. And it seems like Vegas kind of bypassed that. And I think that that's kind of what made a lot of fans kind of annoyed because it's like, okay, here these people are, you know, they think that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? And, you know, they just got their team and they're going to the Stanley Cup run and, you know, all this other stuff. So, you know, I think that there was a a lot of um, externals that fed into why people hated the Knights. But, you know, again, I, I go back to the, the, early 2010s you know the 2012 2013 2014 seasons where you you just had the sharks sharks and the kings it seemed like every year it was okay where are we going to face the kings are we going to face it in the quarterfinals we're going to face it in the semis um you know it was just like those two teams were on a crash course for each other um you know and and really the didn't really matter where they ended up in the regular season it just mattered where they were going to be at positionally in the playoffs who was going to have that home ice advantage and in the end i mean we we've seen both of the teams i think it's i think it's what three to two in favor of series wins and i think la's got the got the slight edge with three series wins over us with two series wins but it's been a a very uniquely matched um rivalry it's been it's been for either team. You, you hate the players that are against you. Um, you know, you look at somebody like Dowdy and you want to punch him in the face or Kopi, and you know, he's just like, ah, oh, damn that big Slovenian. He's just too damn good and big and stupid face or whatever. And then of course, if you're, if you're a Kings fan, you'll be like, ah, oh, you know, Timo, he's such a dickhead or, mm-hmm. you know, Kane or whatever. Um, so yeah, you, know, I mean, I think- you obviously didn't like Brownie hitting you, hitting you in the boards for, for decades and then scoring some pucks as well. I mean, that guy can or, throw or- some bones. Or uh, or the accidental on purpose uh, kneeing of a of a said uh, young forward at the beginning of his career, but I digress. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, but again, it's it's been a good rivalry, and I think that each of the teams have been um, you know very evenly matched, and I think that that's what makes a good rivalry. And it's the thing, same thing I've said with Giants Dodgers is both of the teams have to be good for the rivalry to be good for us to get into it as fans and to really. Um, get that level of going to uh the staples center and hearing the roof rattle or going to the shark tank and hearing all the all the applause off the off the metal roof and echoing down into the stadium i mean both both venues have had iconic moments with the other team in the venue i mean we had the jumbo slide at the staples center or we had the reverse sweep completed at sap center you know it's just there has just been so much historical and and so much um just so evenly matched the the, the yeah. series it, and and well it's at that pinnacle too you had the the california hockey i mean you had the ducks there was relevant too with gets so california hockey was at its pinnacle at that point and i just think the rivalry was fa- been fantastic there's great players on both sides 
you look at there's been some great times and like every time that 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 dot comes up on the schedule on my phone you got to circle it you have to because you know even when the teams aren't very good you still circle it but when they're at their peak when they're at their peak it's it's a it's usually a bloodbath the hitting gets turned up the the fan interaction gets turned up you know it's me especially being from northern california you know i hear it all the time why aren't you a sharks fan sharks fan all this kind of stuff and i was like i look better in black than i do in teal uh but uh but yeah, it's just it's phenomenal, and and I really like the the whole rivalry. I think as it's going into this future, we're going to see something a little bit different and similar to how when the Kings had that drop off, and now they're coming back up. You know, I think that the Sharks are going to about to do that and and maybe started their own little rebuild or retool, and maybe we'll see in five years where they're at as far as are they going to be on like uh, about ready to contend for the playoffs again with a whole new crop going against you know the number one prospect pool in hockey right now. Uh, like where where are they going to be at in their development? How is that those new young guys, the new core pieces for both rosters, going to carry that rivalry into the future? Well, I mean, I think going back towards it, it just takes one hit, right? It just takes one monster hit. It just takes one um, blown call. Just takes one stupid check into the boards to reignite the rivalry. Because I think it's it's brewing. You know, it's something that's always simmered. These organizations have not liked each other in general for these, you know, amounts of years. Yeah, we've had a couple trades here and there. I think it was just a couple years ago that Doug Wilson completed a trade with every uh, franchise in the NHL, and the Kings were last on that list for a reason. Um, you know, so again, I think that the that the whole temperature has been dialed down right now, but it just takes one hit. It just takes one stupid, um, you know, stupid run at a goaltender or, you know, and they're playing three games in or three games in five games. So yeah. like, all, I think I have a feeling we might see at the third game, we might see all the heat from the previous games getting dumped in. And so it's going to be definitely interesting. Let's move it along to this, the season here and the season yeah. so far, obviously both teams weren't favored to really do much, uh, this year, they were both kind of fringe playoff teams. A lot of Kings fans thought they might make that push for the wild card. A lot of Sharks fans said, hey, maybe if they can get one more run from their core and you get some help from the young players like Darlene and, and Eklund, that they might be able to make a push as well. And I'll just start it off from the Kings standpoint. I mean, Rob Blake did a fantastic job this offseason bringing in Phil Deneau, Victor Arvidsson, Edler, uh, and then some of the rookies like Jersey and, and Kaliev. I mean, he pretty much brought in 50 goals so far this season that weren't there last year. And if you're looking at that team now is third in uh, per game shots on goal and first on not allowing uh, shots on goal. So when you have that stark contrast, you know, you you win a lot of games by uh, putting pressure, having Kopitar and Phil Deneau up the center two Selkie, uh, uh, you know, finalist or slash Selkie winner, uh, you know, as your one, two. Uh, you have Lazat and Lemieux, who are grinders on the fourth line. It just seems like this team is a lot more complete. And that's why we see them in in. Uh, the second seed at this point uh, going into the trade deadline. Now, what? how did you view the maybe uh, the shark season, you know, considering we both kind of started in, in the offseason roughly uh, in the same part in the standings in most people's rankings? Well, I think for the Kings, you've, you've had this um, renewed effort in the last couple of years by Rob Blake to restock the cupboard um, and to really get good around his, his veteran guys. I mean, he had, he, you know, they 
they said that they weren't going to go prescribe for a long rebuild, right? Because you still had Dowdy, you still had Kopitar, you still had good years out of them. Yeah, the course so said they wanted to win there. Yeah, exactly. So you, you know, it was it, it's been a good little three year turnaround where they've really committed to focusing on restocking the cupboards, um, you know, getting those fresh kind of players in, and then rebuilding with size. And I think Rob Blake has done a real great job of picking up assets um that have depreciated or assets that um have kind of flown under the radar a little bit and has added a lot of offense to his team and and like you had said it's reflected in the standings and i think right now for me the kings are maybe just slightly ahead of schedule i'd say i would have had them flirting with the wild card um you know really pushing hard for for wild card number two or wild card number one um but as a second seed right now they're going really well um you know they have a points advantage over vegas even if vegas catches up with games played so you like where los angeles is um insofar as the season and how they've banked their points um on the sharks yeah, I hand if, i believe if they go i believe if they go 500 for the rest of the season the Kings will end up with like 94 or 95 points, which should be enough to, to get them in. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, I think we've targeted 91 points is kind of where the wild card I think is going to, is, is going to end up. So, you know, if you can, you can bank, you know, anything past 90, I think you're going to be really in really good shape to, you know, to get one of those spots um, on the sharks end of the things, you know, I went in, cautiously optimistic i said you know if they can keep their core uh healthy i felt um you know that they had pieces to make some noise but again i still felt that the team was at least one impact forward away with evander kane on the roster of course without evander kane on the roster you're now taking um you know another impact player out so realistically this team is this team is at least one second line away from really making any kind of noise at this point i think the team's depth kind of speaks for itself um you look at their shot totals in the last five games and they've been putrid um you know not last game but the game before when they played against the predators they lost eight nothing scoring has been an issue um now we've got james reimer on the injured reserve as well so i mean this team is really not going anywhere um, at this point. And I think we're kind of now salvaging moral victories and and uh, kind of setting ourselves up for what's going to happen next season, who's going to pay for a contract, uh, you know, play for a contract, who's getting a new contract, who's getting shipped out. And um, I think a lot of those questions are going to be uh, answered and, and asked in this next little period going up to the trade deadline. Yeah, we're seeing a lot from the Kings as far as you look at. They have, I, think, I believe, eight guys, uh, you know, over over twenty five points. Where the Sharks have six and and four guys that are just really carrying the team, uh, which is the veterans. And so, like you said, depth is really where it's at. And if those guys don't show up, it's hard to win games um, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, what, uh, not to mention, know, not to mention to the utilization factor, right? So you're like you had said, right? The the bulk of the offense is coming from those four or five players, um, but in order to get that offensive productivity out of those players, they've actually had to play increased loads. So not only do you have um, the fact that you're reliant upon these players to to output, but you're also running them into the ground. So now we're starting to see a player like Hurdle, who was on I think a 60, 70 point 
place now i think is coming back down to earth to around maybe 50 and i think a lot of that has to do with being overplayed um he plays both power play penalty kill and the amount uh, the most amount of ice five on five um and and this is a kid who has generally played second line center for most of his career. So this is definitely an uptick in time on ice for him. And and I'm concerned about the utilization. So like you had said, depth is not there. That means you're forced to rely upon your superstars that much more, or your star players that much more. And uh, it's kind of that self uh, perpetuating issue of, um, uh, of keeping your guys fresh. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Kings have just been lucky. I mean, you get Jersey come up with the Walker injury. He's been playing fantastic. You're seeing that fourth line, Lemieux and, and Lazat and Kaliev uh, constantly. And, and Lazat Lazat has been a great pickup. I love, I thought that he's just added so much to that fourth line. Um, a guy who um, really is, is just an agitator, just that nastiness factor, you know, and, and again, a grinder and just another, another one of those under the radar pickups from, from, um, uh, excuse me from um, Rob Blake. Rob Blake. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's, it's just facts because the Kings last year maybe had one line of game that was functional or partly exactly. functional. And we're seeing them roll four lines uh, almost every single game, like waves and waves of warriors crashing upon the shore. So it's, it's crazy what they're doing this year and, and people are picking them up. Obviously Kempe on almost the 35 goal pace was unexpected by most people, but you're getting the goal scoring from VA. Dano is probably one of the best two-way way center, if not the best two-way center in, in, in the league in most analytics. And we're just getting a lot of things to go right, which when you stock the covers that much and you make some good moves, it can it can turn like a light switch. So, uh, I mean, Arvidsson, Ar- Arvidsson has seemingly turned around his career. I mean, right, I mean, yeah. he's, right now he's at 38 points, but I think you know he'll end up with, the, with at least 50 points on the season. And this is a, a, a cat who we kind of, we we thought that there was the talent there, but it had been a while since he had kind of flashed the numbers that we thought you know he could. So it's good to see. Well, as a Sharks fan, it's not good to see, but as a Kings fan, it's definitely um, really awesome to see the coaching staff maximizing uh, the the return on the players that they've got right now and, and getting some surprise contributions. Yeah, Kings are holding their breath. Uh, he got injured uh, not this game but the previous game, so we'll see how long he's out. Uh, the Kings actually suffered some like the last three games that they've each suffered each game. They've suffered an injury. So, um, to, to Lemieux, who's been that grindy, he's the guy that fights everybody. You got, uh, Arvidsson who just came off a hat trick, uh, to win it. And then he got injured and this, and today Mikey Anderson, uh, our lefty one, uh, out in the first, uh, with uh, the hit from the rat Marchand, uh, in, in the board. So, Kings rolling right now, and they're pretty deep, but uh, lose some key key players there. Before we go on to the next topic here, we're going to get a here uh, a word from our sponsor, uh, DraftKings Hoops fans. The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook as an official sports betting partner of the NBA is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cast prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prices on their first deposit. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. That's THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 years of age, minimum age, and in location requirements based on jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text 467-369. Thank you, DraftKings. All right, we're moving on to the the trade deadline. It's a little late this year. It's kind of weird. It's like trade deadline, like a couple weeks and then playoffs. So, uh, but obviously teams in two different situations. Kings are probably going to be buyers or or staying pat, but let's flip it over. Let's start with the Sharks, Uh, you know, see what they're going to do. Obviously, in the beginning of the season, you guys have a lot of those that questions are, what are they going to push? Are they going to sell? The biggest issue is a lot of the albatross contracts that you have on the blue line. What do you see them doing this year? Who do you think is the most movable pieces and maybe what you guys can get in return? Well, I think the biggest question right now in Sharks land has got to be centered around number 48, right? I mean, it's got to be about what Turtle's going to uh, gonna do insofar as is he going to resign in San Jose or is he going to want to chase his cup dream somewhere else? Uh, last that I heard, and this was from today from Elliot Friedman, uh, the Sharks have made a really, really big push to keep him. Now, the Sharks have been very, very tight-lipped on any kind of contract talks with Hurdle. Um, the last thing that we had heard from Hurdle's camp was they had some really positive conversations with the Sharks. Um, but that's about it. The Sharks themselves haven't really said much. So Elliot um, did a little bit of digging, and uh, it seems that the team is actually really, really uh, keen on keeping him um, and that they haven't even entertained ideas for trades yet because they are so focused on on the re-sign at this point. So I well, think he's being he's 28. So if they did do a little mini rebuild three to five years, you're looking at in his he could be that, you know, kind of where 31, 32, yeah, 32, kind of where you know Copia is kind of right now, uh, yeah. that kind of age in, in the rebuild and try to be there to lead the team uh you know for that next little uh wave uh in their franchise. Yeah, and I think that that is kind of the idea is to kind of build around him. Um, but of course, it's going to all be dependent upon if he's going to want to stay. And if he decides, you know, hey, look, you know, we've we've had a good run here in San Jose, um, but, you know, we just we just can't do it here, you know, and, and I'd like to go somewhere else. Then, um, you know, I think we'll probably start to hear that maybe a week before the deadline. I think we're, what, two and a half weeks, three weeks almost from the deadline. Um, so I think if we don't start to hear something like a week out, um, then I can, I would start to say, you know, maybe it's, it's going to be more of a, a trade type of deal where you'll try to extract, it's going to be a low first round pick, right? Whoever is a contender that's going to want to get him is going to try and trade their first round pick. Of course, it's going to be low because they're going to be playoff contenders. So, um, you know, it's going to be something like that and maybe a B plus prospect, you know, a minus kind of prospect. So a picking up, picking up, uh, players kind of what I think, you know, you, you'd ask for a player like hurdle. Um, you know, there's him, some other him pe- and Forsberg seem like the biggest, uh, UFAs available on, on, as far as forwards go. And they're in the same position. I think Elliot Friedman said the same thing about Nashville and the saying that, um, you know, they're kind of waiting to see where they're at. I mean, they're in more of a playoff condition that you are, you got a little different situation. They would like to resign him, but they don't want to see him go for nothing. And so they're kind of in that limbo aspect, like you said, two weeks until the deadline. 
Now, the thing with Nashville, though, is they do also have um, Johan- Ryan Johansson, right? So they have their number one center or him and Duchesne, right? So they have, you know, a one-two center. So it's it's not as imperative for them to, to re-sign their player because you look at the depth chart in San Jose, it's Logan and Hurdle. That's your one and your two. I mean, you know what I mean? It's so you've got to have somebody that's going to play that spot if you're going to ship him out and I just don't know who's who that is going to be for the sharks. I mean, you can put a random no name or yes, but you know, you have to also think about how much is it going to cost me to recoup a uh, number one B two a type center. Um, those are still core on trees, right? So it's, it's all about um, one. I think where the player, where he wants to go to the length of the contract that the player wants to sign and three, just the fit, um, you know, on the team for where the player is going to be, you know, a, a team like San Jose, where center is needed at a premium, that's definitely a need. But if you go and you shop them to a team, let's say like New York, you know, yeah, they could use them as a third line center, but, and that would be a hell of a third line center. But I mean, he could be an impact player, at, you know, higher up in your lineup. So Hurdle's kind of an interesting player because he can play anywhere up and down the lineup. He can play on the wing. He can play at center. And again, those kind of players are very hard to come by. So it would not surprise me to see the Sharks do re-sign him. Um, but again, I think it'll be up to what um, Hurdle wants to do in the end. Yeah, it's going to be something interesting. You know, where, what they say they can get from him. His his cap hit, uh, you know, not too bad. Five, six, I'm sure. If uh, San Jose ate some of that, they could probably get a better package in return. Um, you know, and they might be able to get a, a first I mean, round pick and an expiring. A plus prospect. I mean, it's an, it's an expiring contract, so there's not an extra year you have to worry about. So, you know, it's going to be prorated for when you trade him. So it'll be about. I'm not. Half I'm not talking about the money. I'm talking about you have to fit it under the cap. You know, uh, to, what I'm saying is the cap hit is also prorated as well. So yeah. they don't get the full cap hit um, at trade deadline because that cap hit is based upon one year's worth of salary. So um, you'll have a prorated cap hit. So it'll be, I think it's roughly two thirds of what the cap hit is now. So let's say it costs five point eight. I think it's salaries, what, five, seven, five, eight. And I think the actual cap hit you would take on as a team, I think would be somewhere in the fours. I think it's like 4 million flat or something at the deadline. That's what it's going to cost you in cap space. So I think it's an asset that's definitely valuable from a price perspective. Um, I think it's also, again, an un, it's an expiring contract. So you don't have to worry about the extra year. It's also a player that's only 28 years old. So it's not like we're talking about a guy here who's on his last deal or, or uh, you know, a guy who's, you know, trying to play fourth line minutes or whatever. No, this is a high caliber first line, second line type of player. A center uh, is his natural position, but again, can be a winger, um, impact player, 200 foot player. What do you um, think about Barbanov? I mean, he's a UFA, he's 27, probably won't be around for the rebuild. He's got, he's, de- he's having a decent year and only a cap hit of a mill. Uh, easy to fit him on, on any team that's contending. And with his season, you could probably get a decent return uh, in the draft. We talked a little bit about him um, being a guy that you could maybe try and get like a third round pick out of, maybe a fourth round pick. Um but again, I mean, this is a guy who was on waivers last year, a guy that a lot of teams have had the opportunity to kind of nab and it didn't seem like there was very much interest. Um, I don't I don't know what the market's going to be like for him. It might be still kind of tepid. Um, 
that being said, I think he's also likes the fit here in San Jose. So again, if you could bring him in at a relatively low contract, you're going to need bodies to play. Um, and, and that's going to be the thing as well. So um, for me, I think most important and, and the thing that I would try to do, try and offload in this, uh, this trade deadline, somebody try and take maybe a, a Brent Burns or a Radim Shimmick, somebody with a little bit of, of time on their, um, you know, on their salary cap and, and a little bit of uh, a, a bigger piece, because, you know, I think we, we've kind of all seen this running on the wall. The, the team is, is a lot farther than the organization is leading to believe leading the fans to believe. Yeah. I think it it's, it's farther away than where it is. I think it's, I think a lot of people see it's time for the rebuild. And I think, getting the most value you can out of a Burns, out of a Shimmick, hell, even a Logan Couture. I mean, I, I would not be, um, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put it past the team to try and, and extract value that way. Um, but if it were me, I would really focus on trying to get rid of one of the big contracts um, and, and try to see if you can take uh, half of the salary and keep it and retain it and see if somebody would, would, take a flyer on a Brent Burns or or um, somebody needing a, a spare defenseman or, or or what what have you but that's yeah. kind of where I look at at it on the offseason and uh, or with with the offseason and with the trade deadline I think the trade deadline it's all about maximizing expiring contracts um, and getting pieces out um, and, and really looking at where the market is and looking at what GMs need at this, at this time of year. Right. I mean, defensemen are always needed. It seems like face-off guys are always needed. Um, well, I mean, the Kings, Kings fans were going through that last year or a couple of years ago. We know how it is to sell everybody away. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes you just need to sell everybody, you know, like you just need to get whatever you can get, whether Barbanoff is a third or fourth rounder, you know, if he wants to come back and sign in the off season, that's fine. Uh, but the Sharks need to, you know, restock the cupboard and, and do whatever they can. It wasn't fun seeing Jack Campbell go or Muzzin or or Clifford or any of these guys, you know, that were, uh, you know, some most of them cup holders and Toffoli and that kind of stuff. But they those prospects helped, you know, stock our cupboard. They're going to be around and either they're going to be used for trade pieces like uh, past, past prospects were for Mike Richards and Jeff Carter well, you know, or they're going to be on the Kings for for a while, and I think the Sharks need to do that. And it's going to be hard. I mean, the Kings never had to deal with any of those contracts as big as uh, what you guys have. Um, our biggest contracts they wanted to keep in Kopitar and Dowdy, and I think you know they were a little bit younger at the time that they got their money. Uh, so not definitely not fun, you know, seeing what you're going to get for these guys and realizing that maybe the, the that era is is coming to an end. Kings fans had to go through that, and we're a lot happier this year. We're talking about trade deadlines for the Kings. Will or how much is it going to take to take to get Jacob Chikorin, Uh Is is the big thing around uh, the Kings uh, Twitter sphere? You know, will they go for Forsberg at the deadline and make a push? Are they are they a cup contender? Money Pucks has us anywhere between five to seven percent to win the Stanley Cup. So you know we're on that fringe cup team. A lot of Kings fans don't think we are. Uh, I think with the Corsi uh, infused team that we are and, and that shot volume team. If we get a couple more people to bury it in, and our special teams can creep a little bit, we have a punter, we have a puncher's chance at at competing um, with the juggernaut teams that are are in the league. But it's nice to be a part of the buyer. I think ultimately, the way Rob Blake has approached this um, this uh, this rebuild or, or whatever, he's been pretty conservative for the most part. 
Uh, really hasn't traded many picks away outside of the Arvidsson. Uh, you know, has just signed a lot of free agents there. And so I don't know if he's going to make that big splash of the deadline. He may wait. Um, Arizona doesn't need to trade Chikorin right now. They can wait to the offseason when more suitors are available uh, to get the package that they want. Um, you know, will Forsberg be available? It, and I, I think if it's a if it's a hockey move, like if it, let's say it's a, you know, you guys trade, uh, you know, like a second rounder and a and a B type prospect for Chikorin or or you know something that is of equal value, you know, similar. Well, equal value. they're asking for, they're asking Eichel package right now. They're asking for, <laughs> so, which, I mean, he had led the league in goals last year for defensemen, but you're looking at either Turcotte or Velarde, a first round pick and another prospect or player or two, depending on who those prospects and players are. See, and, and, and to me that, I, you don't want to touch any of those kids. I mean, Turcotte is not a guy that you want to you want to get rid of, and and the same with the other. And and I I don't I don't see Rob Blake mortgaging the future just for you know a quick roll of the dice on this particular. Chickren's got four years of service at four million though, so he's he's a cheap fringe elite defenseman for for with term. Oh man, let me take a look. So yeah, those are one of the guys, um, you know, with the injuries, how long VA and all those guys out. But I think we got forwards in the AHL to make call-ups, you know, Velarde's down there uh, and, and a bunch of other guys, Kupari, who's already played. And so like you could bring up forwards to, to plug and play there and don't really need to make a splash unless you're getting Forsberg who like, will say he's going to resign and you don't have to risk like it being a, um, a uh you know one and done type thing but i don't know can the kings afford uh what is rumored to his be his salary that he wants is nine and a half million in in the offseason i'm not sure so we'll see how that works out but what they might just stand pat because edler's supposed to be coming back off an injury and towards the beginning of april so you know he was doing well with us the team's playing well right now we're in second place he might just stand pat and say hey you know, we're not a, a true contender right now. Let's wait another year before we make those moves or let's make those moves in the offseason. The other thing, too, is I'm just looking at the 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 cap positioning for the L.A. Kings. And, you know, you've still got Drew Doughty locked up till the uh, till the 26-27 season, right? So even if you do get Jake Chickren, his, his deal is going to expire 25-26. Um you're going to have to pay that. You're going to have to pay him and Drew Daddy at the same time. And that's going to be, a, I mean, not that it's that the cap isn't going to rise and stuff, but I think that's going to be a lot of cap dedicated to, to a few defensemen. So I, I, I mean, look, Jacob Chikrin is going to be the piece that's going to be sought after uh, at the trade deadline. And I think he's going to, you know, well worth it. Um, I don't, think that the kings are in the arc to be spending that kind of capital to get that kind of a player um i i I think that you're still like you had said i think you're you're this is your year where you're kind of playing with the house money i think next year is really when the expectations start to come back for the kings like hey okay you know now it's going to be quarterfinals or now it's going to be semis or you know now let's take a you know, it, it's this seems like a Western Conference title team. The, to me, this team right now still seems like a team that is um, got to learn its playoff. It, it's got to learn its its playoff mojo again. It's got to you know, it's got to get back on the playoffs. It's got to see 
um, where the team and you know how it's gonna this this version of the team is gonna gonna move but, forward. Because- but Chickering's got to do that too. He's never been in the playoffs with Arizona, and, and Longoff comes in here with this. Chickering is worth the trade at his cost in both value and salary. He slots perfectly. You can also trade seven along with it, uh, which is uh, Bjornfoot. We need a strong second pair lefty. We can swap Mata and El- uh, Edler out later. Uh, I tend to agree. I mean, I think it's a move that not only builds this year, but next year. It makes the team better this year and next year. I don't, I'm don't. i not a fan of uh, any expiring contracts for the trade because we're not one piece away from winning the cup. But right. Chikrin helps us get better this year and is a pinnacle piece there. Plus, when his contract is up, Kopitar will no longer be making $11 million. Brown will be off the roster. His $5.6 million. Quick will his $5 million be off and the, the roster. And the, the FNUF dead money will come off too. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, they could probably make money. it work. Yeah, it could make it work. And and I think, I, I think the for me at least, I, I don't see that, that that's where this team is at. Uh, insofar as um, I don't know, I, I still well, feel like we brought you on to get some outside perspective, my man. I, I like it. Let's get into the game time because okay. we all want to watch some actual hockey, uh, which we can't do right now. But by maybe by the time you're listening to this during the week, you get get you pumped up for the series coming up on Thursday for game one. With the way the teams are set up now and how they're playing, how do you kind of see this three game series going out? What are the Sharks going to have to do to win uh, against the Kings in your eyes? Well, I think right now it's a very delicate time in Sharks land. I think it wouldn't be surprised to see the Sharks lose two to three out of the out of the games that were that are coming up, um, you, you know, and and not pull off a win against the Kings because the team is just that uh, desperate and, and that uh, kind of pathetic, lethargic looking right now. Um, that being said, it will probably end up being three to two type games. It's going to be whoever's goaltender is going to, you know, make the last save um, because these teams, I mean, they don't, they don't normally go run and gun on each other. You know, they're normally tight checking, normally very heavy hockey and normally low scoring. Um, and again, I think for me, I'm preparing myself for at least a couple of losses against the Kings uh, going into this three game set. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you're looking. I, I, they always play each other tough, so they're going to yeah. play each other tough. It, it is always how it is. I think the Sharks, no matter how good or bad they are, they seem to put points up on LA. Uh, so I, you know, it, I think the way they're playing now, uh, we've had a couple. We had a couple bad losses, uh, one to the Bruins, and then to Dallas, and then they just they rambled off some great wins. Uh, as recording that tonight, we just watched them beat Boston, uh, come back and tie it in the last thirty seconds and win in overtime with a goal by Athanasiu. So there's been some late game heroics from Victor Arvidsson, Athanasiu. Uh, different characters are stepping up. I think this is the deepest the Kings have been in the last few years, for sure, uh, when facing the Sharks. And so, uh, you know, the goal... It's not a good time. Down. It's not a good time for the Sharks depth-wise, right? There's yeah. a lot of injuries uh, depth-wise for the team. We will be getting Eric Carlson back. But um, the forward-wise, I mean, forwards, you guys just wipe the floor in so far as the depth goes so um yeah that that's kind of why i'm not very optimistic for our chances because uh the kings are just that deep right now i mean they're they're playing some really good hockey um they had a couple of missteps yes but i think that this is a team also too that's led by dowdy and and kopitar and they this is a team that knows how to win you know knows how to weather the the ebbs and flows of a season so um 
that being said, I think the Kings, you know, I, I think it'll probably be the Kings will probably win a couple one of one of the three games will go to overtime. Um, and yeah, I predict it probably through, through the next, you know, the next three games that we'll play each other will probably be. I'm going to say four or five points for the Kings in the three games. Is yeah. What I think we get. Yeah. I think, I think if you don't, if you don't get four points, it's going to be a missed opportunity for the Kings. Yeah. They're playing. I think they're playing Florida and uh, another playoff team, Colorado in between the couple of the games with you guys. So definitely got to win against the Sharks in order to, to make those other games worth it. So it's going to be tough. I mean, the Sharks always play us tough. I think they're going to have to shut down. Like we talked about, you guys have four guys that are really the the pinnacle of your offense. If we can shut them down, the Kings are throwing four lines at you all the time. How long are these injuries going to affect us? Right? So they just happened. We played you guys on Thursday, uh, you know, Arvidsson, Lemieux and Mikey Anderson are three top guys on our team who fills that role. Uh, how well does that work out? Are we going to maybe see a call up like Leah Anderson who just come off his injury stint? Is it going to be Velarde that gets a shot uh, depending on how long? I'd like, to see, yeah, uh, I'd like to see Velarde. Especially since, you know, uh, Arvidsson's a power play type guy. Maybe bring up Velarde for, to get his chance there. So Kings fans are holding their breath and seeing how long the injuries are going to be. And I think that'll dictate the moves uh, from the roster, but it's, it's always going to be nice. And so, you know, it's a good, it's a fun games. It's entertaining games. If you're going to the games, you know, you're having fun, uh, you know, you know, talking back and forth with uh, the opposing fans, you know, razzing them, you know, busting some busting some jaws and stuff, not literally, but uh, metaphorically. And and uh, it's always going to be a good time here. Let's go into future predictions and wrap this thing up here for King. Uh, I'll do go second in the future predictions. What do you think? How does the season end for the Sharks? Do they make a run and maybe push for a wild card? Do you think it's over with? They sell off. How many pieces are they going to sell off? How, what do you what do you what do you think ultimately it's going to go? Um, you know, I think ultimately what's going to happen is the team is going to be able to re-sign Hurdle. I think they'll keep Hurdle. Um, I think maybe one or two players might get uh, treated, uh, maybe like a Matt Nieto or a, or um, Ad, Andrew Cogliano. You know, those kind of uh, secondary or tertiary pieces to a to a contending team. I could see a couple of them moved at the deadline. Um, I think this is, team is probably going to end up sixth in the Pacific division at the end of the season. Um, I think it's going to be, a, it's going to be better than the Kraken. And um, I don't know. It, it, it'll, we'll have to see if they're, if they're any better, better than, um, uh, than Vancouver. Cause at this point, Vancouver, I think is still better than them. So, you know, I could still see the sharks being, like I said, sixth in the sixth in the division, um, six, seven, yeah, in the division. So, which at that point during the playoffs, you'd be turning your head towards the draft and and doing some scouting there for you guys, which has been fun for the Kings fans getting the top prospects, having them, you know, the Brant Clarks, the Byfields of the world. Obviously, it was fun with you guys getting Eklund last year. Kings are on the opposite end. I think they're hot right now, and it depend. This this is you know be, being recorded before any of the the uh, injury updates for all those three players come out. But assuming they're not out very long, we'll just say that you know they're out for a week. I think. The Kings have a pretty easy schedule going forward for the most part. Um, and I think they're going to be able to capitalize. I think, like I said before, if they do over 500, if they do around 500 for the rest of the season, they'll be roughly at 90 to 94 points, depending on some overtime situations there, which should be enough to get us in the playoffs. I think they make uh, maybe a minor move or we, or we stand pat, but either way, uh, I think we're going to be second in the division when it comes to the playoffs either playing uh, probably playing Vegas in the first round uh, with a chance to um, get some revenge 
uh, from that sweep a couple years back uh, with a completely different team. But that Vegas team is kind of weird. I know they're not doing uh, too hot after Eichel's come there, but they got a lot of people on long-term IR. And as we know from uh, past Lightning teams, they can get all those players back without any consequence. And so they're going to have a quite loaded roster there. Eichel's going to be healthier. So it'll be completely different than any Vegas team that we've seen uh, so far in the regular season. So it should be very interesting how uh, the season shapes up. I would like to, you know, as a Kings fan, I would like a chicken trade. Just the first time being buyers again, you know, the feeling that I felt having Carter and Mike Richards brought in at the deadline, it would be the same kind of feeling that Chickman would bring uh, for this team, you know, hope that maybe they can win a series or two series. I think they're good enough to beat any team in the Western Conference uh, in a series, maybe outside of Colorado. Uh, But, uh, you know, not I wouldn't say high hopes, but definitely in I think they could beat Vegas. I think they can beat Edmonton. I think they could beat the Ducks if they come in. I think that they could beat Calgary. Calgary, Calgary is the one where I I would say that's probably between them and um, and Colorado are, are are the two biggest obstacles I think for the LA Kings at this point in my opinion. Um, I, and I think that Calgary is going to end up being one of those teams that's going to be a hard out in the in the playoffs. So, um, at the end of the day, they might be the ones you know a, a certain Daryl Sutter might be the one to to you know kick the kick the kings out of the out of the playoffs so to speak that should be uh, a swift uh jab to the giblets if you uh if you do say so myself especially with <laughs> especially with Toffoli on that team and they have some other kings on that roster so it'd be kind of a weird little homecoming there so well landy it's been a pleasure man it's been a long time uh since we've talked hockey uh let people know what you got going on and, and your job with the uh, the Sharks there in Tealtown, USA. Uh, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, you can use my first name. That's E-R-I-K, last name Landy, L-A-N-D-I, on, uh, you know, any of the social media outlets. Uh, I'm there. Um, and as far as what I'm doing these days, I am doing stuff over at Tealtown, USA. Um, you can check us out after every Sharks game. We do a post-game uh, video podcast. And so you guys can check this out on YouTube. Um, You can also uh, get the rewinds uh, on um, all of the SoundCloud, excuse me, sound um, catcher uh, services out there. So whether it be Spotify or whether it be uh, Google Play Store or the Apple iTunes uh, podcast store, whatever, we're we're there. So go ahead and check us out. Um, and, And as far as that goes that's pretty much all the projects that i've got going on at the moment um and yeah just kind of waiting for baseball dude <laughs> <laughs> well uh uh as always uh, you can find us at hockeyroyalty.com we're doing articles every day articles coming out pre and post game for both the rain and the kings uh twitter handles at hockey underscore royalty you're obviously if you're watching this you're at our youtube but find us out on youtube like and subscribe Thank you again for our sponsor at DraftKings, promo code THPN. And as always, go Kings go.